On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. I spent my college days throwing perfect passes and trash-talking BYU. And I spent my college career smashing Utah Utes' faces into the mud. I'm Jason Buck. And I'm Scott Mitchell. After our careers in the NFL, we still talk trash. But mostly to each other on our podcast, Rivals. We talk all things football, college, and NFL. A little bit about life and growing up rivals. Download it each week wherever you get your podcasts or on the KSL Sports app. Go Cougs! And go Utes! Yeah, so a, a couple examples just popped in my head really quickly. Um, there was one specific customer at one point that was super upset that we accidentally misshipped a shoe by color. So I think, I believe she ordered hot pink and um, we, we sent pink. And so um, she was pretty upset and because I, apparently the shoes were for Easter photos and it needed to be just right. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Jana Francis. Jenna's founder and president of Steels.com, bootstrapped business, run for 10 years. If you didn't catch part one of the interview, it'd be great to go back and listen to that. But um, Jenna, you think about the ups and downs and all the changes in the e-commerce business in these last 10 years, doing almost $100 million of business from a bootstrapped business you started in your basement. Um, Coming out of the world of media and, and into entrepreneurship, where do you feel like some of the advantages were for you? You know, I think that where, you know, in in media, one of the things that I learned a lot, obviously, is, you know, even though I wasn't part of the production and the entertainment, because I was on the the back end in the sales and advertising and marketing world, but having worked at a company that has to reinvent itself every single day, right, the content on television, radio, and and at KSL.com, or just the, you know, any media outlet itself you have to reinvent yourself every single day there is something new and it changes something you know one day you may plan and have the best plan because you're going to do you know this at this time and this at this time and then breaking news happens or something else you know completely changes and the entire day is completely wiped out and you have to rally and focus and um and and get it done and and execute and i think that's really helped me in my entrepreneurship just being so used to that environment because that was eight years of my life um seeing just you know every day was entirely different and very very fast paced and moving that into my entrepreneurship um obviously helped a lot because entrepreneurship has been no different than than that um and the other element is my company really you know it cha- my website changes every single day there's something new every single day and sometimes halfway through the day you have to rally and change something up it just depends and so um you know planning is great but it can also create paralysis and you just have to execute every single day and so that's that's one of the um that's one of the lessons i think that i learned um not really a lesson but just uh 
sort of environment I got completely used to that um, is just kind of part of my personality nowadays because you get so used to it. Um, and the other element I think that came with me was I was fortunate enough as, you know, I was in, um, I was the local sales manager of KSL Radio and the other, other music radio stations that we owned for, for a while, as well as um, the director of interactive content and sales for KSL.com. And I was fortunate enough to be able to sit across the table from the best marketers in Utah um, and getting to know so many different businesses locally and, and understanding their advertising and marketing goals and how we could fit, um, you know, what we had at KSL Radio TV and .com to um, support their marketing efforts. And eight years of doing that's a long time and you really get to understand what works in advertising and marketing. And, you know, the last several years being digital, primarily as far as .com, it really, um, you know, was a great intro into my future of, of digital marketing. But what I, what I um, learned over those eight years as well is just, again, being able to sit across from so many brilliant minds in marketing um, and seeing what works and what doesn't and be, being able in a way to kind of, you know, use and puppeteer their ad, ad, ad spending to figure out what is going to make the best for them and the best results for them um, was an amazing opportunity to really know as you go into your own business and have your own money. Okay, now what am I really going to, where am I really going to put this, you know, this ad budget? And I really already knew kind of what was going to work and what wasn't for my business without even ever having to try. So what a what an invaluable uh, skill set to bring. You know, I want to talk about this. Um, in the first episode, you talked about intentionally hiring staff from your customer base because they would have so much empathy for your customers, having been them, they they would just get them. You know, you talk about the way you approached, you know, help, helping advertisers make decisions on what's going to be best for them. Can you talk about this approach? It sounds like you have a methodology that is very interested in what's really going on for people and that maybe um, you've got a little bit of an extra passion for figuring out what's going on inside of them instead of just showing up and trying to get them to buy what we want to sell them. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, totally. Can, can you talk about um, a, well, let, let's talk about this for a second. When you have new staff, when you have folks that you want to, to grow leaders within steals.com and you recognize maybe they don't have as much experience with that. What are your thoughts about helping your team become more like that? Yeah. You know, a lot of that was now that I look back and your comments so interesting because it just kind of made me realize, um, you know, that real similarity through my career, but, um, or that theme through, through my personality and my career. But I think since I was so involved with, with everything on the day to day and, um, you know, spoke to everyone daily for the most part, I think a lot of that was very innate in them just because of the way the company culture, I definitely admit to putting people in positions that they weren't ready for because the passion was there. Um, people grew their careers pretty quickly at steals, um, because it just, we couldn't lose for a while there. Everyone was just, you know, having a great time. We were um, working really, really hard, but we just focused so highly on our customers and our suppliers that we just kind of became one with them, if, if that even makes sense. Um, we were just so dialed into who they were, and um, it, it was really energizing for the staff. Um, can, you, can we stop there? Because um, people 
that's so easy to say and people love to talk about stuff like that and your results would indicate you actually do it. Can you give us some specifics yeah. of the difference between talking a good game and like yeah. a real story or a real example of maybe going that extra mile besides, you know, putting a poster on the wall about we care about our customers? Yeah, so a, a couple of examples just popped to my head really quickly. Um, there was one specific customer at one point that was super upset that we accidentally misshipped a shoe by color. So I think, I believe she ordered hot pink and um, we, we sent pink. And so um, she was pretty upset and because I, apparently the shoes were for Easter photos and it needed to be just right. And a lot of companies like, I don't even want to name names, but they would just look at that as a sheer transaction. Like, well, do you want your money back or not? And we turned it into, I mean, she was really mad. And so the suggestion was, well, why don't you call her? And a lot of people would think, well, that's ridiculous. Why in the world would you have the president of the company call a customer because you misshipped a, sh a shoe by, like, that just seems so trivial to some. But to a mom that planned, like, the perfect Easter photos, and it, and it there wasn't enough time to fix it in time for Easter, and you're got, you've got other kids and you don't have time to go, like, drive all around every single store to try to find the right shoe, it's a big deal, right? And you just have to put... And that's what we always told my, cust my, um, my customer service agents and my team is you have to put yourself in the customer's shoes, no pun intended. You have to pretend that it's, it, that's you writing in. How would you want to be treated? What would you want them to say? And I was very specific about there's no scripts. There's no, um, I mean, we have typical similar responses, like but half of the questions you get in e-commerce are the exact same questions every day. So of course, you know, the majority of the answers could be the same, but you have to put yourself in their shoes. And if they're frustrated, um, you have to act like you're frustrated too. And what would you want the person to say back to you, right? And so um, it was like, you got to mirror the problem. You have to validate why they're upset, and then you need to come up with a solution that works for them. And it immediately it takes people off. It takes the edge off immediately when you just mirror what they said. I hear that you're saying that Easter is ruined, and I totally understand that we misshipped you, you know, the wrong color, and for that I feel terrible, and here's what we want to do for it. It immediately takes them off the defensive because they know that you heard what it is they have to say. So, so did you end up calling this woman then? Yeah, and so what happened there is I ended up calling her, and she's a darling girl out of Idaho Falls, which actually is ironically one of my really good friends now. So I call her out of the blue, and she's, she knew who I was, and she was like, wait, oh my gosh, I feel so petty that like I was so upset, and then you're calling me. I'm like, no, 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 I just want to let you know. I feel really bad, and if we had the right color to ship you, I mean, we're sold out, so I have nothing, I literally have no way to fix the problem other than just to apologize. And you can either ship the shoe back and we'll give you your money back or whatever. And so we, we talked through the general issue and then just kept talking and talking. And um, fast forward, um, she really started becoming very, very active in our social media because of it, like commenting on our Facebook pages and stuff. Well, you guys are great. Or, you know, really um, connecting with me and the team from then on. I mean, she was just so upset. And then now she's our, even to this day, I mean, she bought something like two weeks ago. She's an advocate of our company eight years later. I think this happened like a year or two in. And what ended up happening was she had messaged me about a month later that, you know, she was, I knew she was pregnant, um, but that she had to fly to, actually, I think, to, uh, anyway, I, somebody messaged me and said, I, I know that you know Jess Bowman, and she actually um, was sent to primary children's in Utah because she has problems with the pregnancy and they feel like, um, they can't help her in Idaho Falls. 
And that just broke my heart. And they said, you know, they're just not sure if her baby's going to make it. And that, that just made me just, I just couldn't believe it. So me and another staff member actually went to visit her at Primary Children's. Um, and fast forward, unfortunately, 44 days later, um, her baby was born and her, her baby did end up passing away from a, a heart defect. And her family at the time didn't have the money to buy a headstone. And it was really important to them that they had one. And I knew that just from just, I don't know, paying attention to her Facebook and just having become friends and just seeing things, you know, in passing. It wasn't like this was, this just, you know, it sounds like a lot of work, but it, it really, in retrospect, it's not. And so we rallied a lot of our customers together to actually um, surprise her. Um, we did a little bit of a donation through some of our customers and they were, we were able to raise, um, I think it was like $5,800, which was a little more than they needed, but um, to help her family through the hard time. And, and to this day, um, they take a picture every single anniversary of his um, passing at his headstone and write it, uh, write a thank you note again, over and over to all of our customers that were a part of that situation. So, I mean, that's kind of an extreme example. Um, I don't know that that's totally scalable to go to that degree for every customer, but what it did though, in connecting with her and really um, just being real people that care and not just an automatic machine that refunds and those kinds of things, it, it um, created a lifelong relationship. It created a lifelong customer and a lot of other lifetime life, lifelong customers that really were a part of that experience and felt like they gave back at the same time. And it wasn't planned. It was, it's certainly not a part of our marketing plan. It, it, it is just simply caring. And again, treating people the way you would want to be treated. And that's a little extreme, but just really connecting with your customer and um, finding ways to serve them in ways that are different than other e-commerce companies. I can guarantee there's not a, there's not a story that extreme. Uh, and it, it is a little it, a little different, but um, another quick example, um, Canada really, a lot of women in Canada took quite a deep liking to our business, and that was something that was very unexpected, um, but it got to the point where we, they were very fanatical about steals.com, and at one point, and I could go into the story another time, but um, at one point, we ended up doing kind of a tour of um, Western Canada, and hand-delivered orders to um, customers' doors. And it, it kind of spurred from some customers got together and decided they were going to do a Steels meetup at one of their houses in Vancouver. And I thought, how fun would that be to actually crash it myself and show up and uh, with, like, prizes and just, I don't know, geeky stuff like that. And then I, we took it a step further to think, well, how cool would it be to, like, hand-deliver things that they ordered to their doors? And anyway, that's that's a long, interesting story that I have on YouTube. But, yeah, it, um it's things like that. When you meet someone in person, forget it. I mean, it's you know, they're going to shop with you forever just because people buy from people they know and trust. And so that, that is what it is. I love it. Uh, totally didn't expect the story. I'm trying to be manly here, <laughs> not cry on this side, right? Um, oh. That, you know, it's, it's interesting that personal touch, right? When it's so easy to feel too busy. Um, and you think about like, the edicts that come down from on high, you know, folks in leadership, we, we come up with all these great ideas on how we want everyone else to be. Um, but, and we all read the leadership books that say examples, the most important thing, but it's so easy to feel too busy. Um, any advice for the rest of us who maybe we want to take that extra time, even when we feel busy to set that example for the team, 
um, of that kind of like get over the hump and actually actually do it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that prioritizing is is number one, but two, I I would always set aside time every single day to do something that was completely and totally unplanned, and then I would I would kind of make the decision accordingly, right? Um, you know, another time a whole city in Alberta, Canada was on fire, the Fort McMurray fires, like two years ago, about this time, and we had several of our customers' homes burned down, so it was like, oh, okay. With the chunk of time I set aside today to do something creative and something that, um, you know, unplanned, I'm going to go and I'm going to look up their order history and figure out what sizes they've recently purchased. And we're going to go through some of our inventory and send up some care packages, you know, because they lost everything. And so it's really setting, it's the intention of, of setting aside a little bit of time to do it. And it can be 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day, you can accomplish a lot in 10 minutes a day. You can pick up the phone and call your best customer and have a lovely chat for five minutes, right? It's not hard to do. It's just a matter of really just setting aside, and it's the intention, and it's setting aside the time and, and putting it as a, as a priority. But again, I'm just really um, very spontaneous, even though I'm, I'm very detailed and you know I'm planned out. But I also really thrive on um, just just going with the flow of what's happening that day and doing something cool with it. And, but you have to set aside enough time to do it. And there were days, plenty of days, trust me that, you know, a lot of, a lot of fires happening and a lot of, you know, meetings and, you know, um, presentations and you name it and you do get busy, but um, you have to acknowledge at the end of the week, okay, now did I, did I really get to do something that's totally different and that wasn't planned and, if not, then you have to set more time for it to do to do it later. And I'm just really, I'm just really cognizant of that to this day. I mean, yesterday I, I my day got a little bit derailed on another cool story that you know. And so it's just you just have to make it a priority. And and I I could go on for my word. I should probably start my own podcast on crazy things I've done over the years that have impacted the business in a positive way that just weren't planned. They weren't in the yearly marketing plan. They weren't in the budget. And a lot of it didn't cost anything, you know, other than your time of like I said, picking up the phone and calling, or we would set the intention in our customer service team to regularly send handwritten letters to our top customers and, and sometimes even new customers. And sometimes if I didn't know, like, okay, I'm just super busy today. I've, I've got it, but I have to do something. I would walk back to the warehouse and sign a few packing slips. Like, Hey, it's Jenna. I'm the founder of steels. And I just wanted to thank you for being a customer XOXO. Right. I try to do that a couple times a day and then all of a sudden somebody gets that package and for whatever reason they think that's cool and then they post it on social media like oh my gosh founder of steel signed my packing slip and i'm thinking that's <laughs> the dumbest thing ever but people think it's cool and i think it's cool i mean the other day i got a, a little um order in the mail and the person i the person i ordered it from wrote a handwritten note and i was like oh my gosh that's the coolest thing and i, I had to realize wait a minute i've done that myself so many times but to have that come back to me, even though it's not that big of a deal, I thought that was so cool. What a, what a nice personal touch. And I'm like, wait a minute, lady, you do that all the time. So anyway, it's, it's, you, you, you minimize, you know, sometimes I, I minimize the impact, but it, it really does. It's just the little things can add up to a lot. I love it. Well, um, besides coming to the website to see what the steal of the day is on steals.com, what, where's the best place for people to connect on social and see what you guys are up to? Yeah. So let's see for, for me personally, LinkedIn or Twitter is a great place. Um, 
just, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn pretty easy. Um, for steals.com, probably the best place is our Instagram. So we're, we're more active on Instagram, I would say, than, than Facebook. Um, but we're, we're kind of broken out by niche. So we've got baby steals and kids steals and she steals. But um, you can find steals.com on Facebook as well. But that's probably our smallest page just because it's not, you know, like I said, we, we're kind of broken out by niche there. Great. Well, thanks again uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. We'll head there.